0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Stedman podcast. Uh, hope you are having a wonderful week this week and have a great weekend ahead of you. Uh, so joining me today is Micah Current. Micah, how are you doing, my friend?
1: Uh, I'm good after the wake-up call. The Scott Stedman wake-up call this morning.
0: So let's just go right into the stories gone wild.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Micah, you want to share yours?
1: Sure. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm known to, to, to wake up super early and I was telling Scott before I, uh, we started recording this morning that, you know, I've had some, some shoulder issues over the last couple of weeks and a pinched nerve. So like, I've been trying to, to take care of it with some ice and some heat and some different things. So like, I'll get up super early cause I'm, you know, not feeling the greatest, but then I'll, you know, sit in a recliner and throw a heating pad on there or something and so, um, and wait for my alarm clock to go off. So last night, uh, and just for clarity's sake, Scott and I usually record Monday mornings and, uh, Sunday, you know, sometimes Saturday, but most of the time Sunday, because Sundays are crazy for both of us. Um, he'll shoot me a text and say, Hey, what are we talking about? And what time works for you? And I'm like, well, usually eight. Cause I can jump right into my next meeting after we're done recording, because um, I work from home on Mondays. And, uh, you know, it's usually great. It usually depends on how his kids are doing, what, what his kids are doing for school, his wife's work schedule, etc. And so um, Saturday, Scott texted me and said, Hey, here's the two kind of topics that we're thinking about. What do you want to talk about? What sounds better to you? And I gave him my thoughts. And then yesterday, Sunday, he texted me and said, Hey, is 7:30 too early to record. And I was like, no, I'd rather do eight because, you know, I said, Yes,
0: it is too early to record.
1: Yeah. I said, Yeah, it's too early. I'd rather do eight o'clock because of my work schedule tomorrow. Um, and then that was like, I don't know, Scott, seven thirty last night. Seven thirty, yeah. And nothing. And I was like, Okay, are we doing seven thirty? Are we doing <laughs> eight? And I just waited to hear from Scott and I got nothing. And so I was like, All right, surely he's gonna email me a Zoom link, and we'll just do 7.30 or 8 o'clock. And, you know, just because it didn't work for me. And I go to bed, doesn't hear nothing. I actually woke up at like, I don't know, three or four o'clock in the morning to go to the bathroom. And I checked my phone, Scott, to see if I got an email from you. And nothing. Nothing. I go back to bed. I wake up when my alarm goes off. I sit in the recliner. I put a heating pad on my shoulder, like I said before, because it was hurting and nothing. And so about 7.27, I looked down at my phone and it said, Scott Stedman's inviting you to a Zoom meeting. (laughs) And about 7.35, you're like, I'm ready. He texted me and he said, I'm ready. And so I took that as, I guess we're doing 7.30, (laughs) but it's already 7.35. And then my alarm, I set my alarm to go off at, you know, 715, 730, whatever it was. And so like, I'm just still sitting there and I'm like, do I need to get up and do this or not? And so then I get on the call with Scott before we hit record and like, do you not respond to text messages? Do you not? And apparently Scott was so exhausted from his youth ministry assignment yesterday that he fell asleep and literally had the text wrote out and forgot to respond.
0: Well, so. not, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily youth ministry. We've been doing this thing at church today. We're starting a stewardship conference or okay. stewardship uh, three. So we have combined services. So we don't have our two services. So we have combined services and we start at 10 and then we have a meal afterwards. And then I took my son to guitar lessons. And then usually once we get back, I'll lay down for about an hour just to kind of, you know, get some my energy back up. Well, my wife was exhausted, so she was laying down. So it's like, well, I have to watch I'm watching the kids now, so taking care of the kids, and then I have to leave to go do you stuff. So I never got like my mid my mid-afternoon nap. So the whole entire time I've been going since like 7 a.m. And by the time I got to (laughs) by the time I like got home and got the kids to bed and had some conversations with my wife, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna go. Watch some TV a little bit So I kind of like laid down And I turn on just like a random Like YouTube video Just to watch like a 20 minute YouTube video And I could just see And I'm watching like three minutes into it I'm already passed out and then I'm waking up I'm like okay I need to go to bed Because i is this isn't going to end well for me I just went to bed and just like completely passed out <laughs> I was so exhausted
1: <laughs> But yeah I Like I didn't hear anything from you and I was like, I, I guess we're doing eight, but I guess we're doing seven thirty. I, I just had no. And then idea. And it
0: wasn't until it. it wasn't until I sent you the text message saying, "Okay, I'm ready." I went back and I read it. I'm like, "Wait a minute, Mike is not going to get on until eight o'clock because <laughs> he said seven thirty was too early." And that never registered. Like I read it, I'm like, "Okay, I'll you know I'll send something out," and then it was like, "Boom," completely gone. Like I was just my mind was just not there. So.
1: And then when I got on the call, I was like, you just not respond to text messages. (laughs) I know. it's It's, it's... Well, and I figure too, like, I wondered, like, you know, because sometimes Jordan, our good friend Jordan, will text me. And then, like, I won't hear from him for like a day and a half. But, like, sometimes Ollie gets his phone, his son, who's three. And it's like, I guess he didn't see that message, uh, question mark. And then I wonder if your kids get your phone or something or you just, yeah it's fine. I just don't, <laughs> I just didn't yeah. Know what we were supposed to do. So,
0: yeah. Jeez. So yeah, my story's gone wild. Actually, mine's just going to go back to talking about, um, just kind of, um, how would I say this? Um, no, actually I'm going to do a different one because this goes back to, um, our topic today, which we're going to be talking about multiple services today. So, when I was going to church up in Talmadge, um we were getting to a pretty decent size. And of course, you know, this is right in the midst of the 90s, which we had this thing called worship wars. And if mm. you're not familiar with the term worship wars, which sounds really um, odd. Um, there is a time where we started to see more of a CCM Contemporary Christian music or more kind of contemporary worship kind of becoming more prevalent in Sunday morning worship to the point where there started to be pushback because you had your older generation who wanted to sing from the hymnal, and then you had other people who wanted to sing songs like, um, Lord, I lift your name on high, and um, awesome God, and people need the Lord, you know, some of these like. Very more contemporary uh, songs that they want to sing. So the way our church kind of dealt with that is since we had a good mix, it's like, okay, let's go ahead and have two services. We'll have a traditional service, we'll have a contemporary service, so you know you know, traditional service, you'll sing your traditional music, contemporary service, you'll see more contemporary music, but the sermon and kind of the flow of service was going to stay exactly the same in both services. It just really was music style. So now you had to, and then they had to decide, okay, what do we, how do we plan it? Because they had, they had Sunday school at like nine, and then you had ten thirty was like when the service started. So okay, what do we do with two services? Do we go later? Do we something? So they decided to go earlier. So from eight thirty to nine thirty was eight thirty nine thirty was your um, one service, and then ten thirty to eleven thirty was the other service. And now the decision came: okay, who gets the earlier time slot? Who gets the the later time slot? And at the time, the pastor decided, let's make the traditional be at 8.30 in the morning. And let's have contemporary be at 10.30. So it was our last service, last together service before we're going to split into these two services. And there's a guy up there. Who is going to be doing a special song? And he goes up there.
1: I hate special music. I can't. I can't do <laughs> That's it.
0: another topic. So he's going to do a special song. So he starts talking before he starts singing, right? He has the mic so he can say whatever he wants. That's he part just... of the
1: reason I don't like special music.
0: So he passive aggressively makes a note about. Happened to come to the 830 service because it's early for him. Even though a lot of times, you know, whatever he, whatever reason he did. So he goes and then he sings a special music. And at the end, the pastor goes up there. And he's just like laughing, like has a big smile on his face. Like, ha, 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 ha. And then he does the most savage move. He goes, well, and he says his name goes, well, to think about your comment that you made before you song, it, it, reminds me of this passage in scripture that says, wake up, you sluggard. <laughs> and everyone's laughing. I'm thinking, man, this is like some of the most pettiest, passive aggressiveness in a service that I have seven days. <laughs> And I haven't seen anything like that since. Like, gosh, dang, but it was so funny. <laughs> so then they had two services, and they had two multiple services for about for about a couple years, and then there was a realization. Actually, it came from the um, traditional people going, "Hey, we see all these. We know we see all these new people coming in, and yet we don't know them." Why don't we just combine our services again? Because getting to the point where the traditional kept getting less and less and less, Mm -hmm. and the contemporary kept getting more and more and more, and eventually it's like, well, you know, it wasn't necessarily about the music anymore. It was about the community and getting to know people. And so they combined their services again. They went back to having one service after that. So that was my story's gone wild. Which kind of leads us into our topic today. We're going to be talking about multiple services. And, um, you know, the example that I gave was just kind of one where they had two services. And, you know, the two services wasn't definitely due to space. It was mainly due to worship styles. And that was why we had two services back then. Uh, Now so much they have more of a blended service now and they have one service again, Um, but Micah, since you've worked in some larger churches, what would, how, and again, I'm working at a church that has two services, like kind of tell me a little bit about, um, kind of your experience and kind of what was the vision or goal behind having multiple services?
1: Uh, man, where to begin? Uh, I've seriously, there's, I've, you know, like you talk about the different ways you can do things, whether it's, um, you know, styles of worship versus timing versus space versus number of folks versus generations versus you name the situation. And I think I've been a part of it over the last, um, you know, decade plus in ministry. And so, you know, I think my earliest memory, Scott, like you were talking about with, um, worship styles, uh, would probably be my earliest memory. And, um, I'm just gonna go through and kind of illustrate some of the churches that I've worked at, if that's okay. But mm-hmm. the um like the first one, we we were like um I was working with a guy named Mike uh Bellamy and I was working at a church here in Middletown close to where we live now, and he was the worship pastor at this church and he uh had this vision of two separate services and two separate venues, but he was really into the worship circuit. Right. And like in the early two thousands, like you were saying, it was all about styles of worship and it wasn't necessarily like what we see today with like modern worship being, um, Bethel and Jesus culture and Hillsong United and, um, Elevation Worship and all these churches that are writing records every single year, like another artist like Phil Wickham and Brandon Lake and all these others that write music every year, write an album every year, and they they get singles, and then they get pushed out to Christian radio and into the bigger Christian churches. And thing you see um, all these churches wanting to do it. Like, you know, I, I can think of a song like Waymaker was really popular three, four years ago. I think it's still popular, but like that was that's just an example. And so, um, but back in the early 2000s, it was like, okay, let's take a hymn, like all hail the power of Jesus name and put some drums to it and some guitar and make it more modern and not sing it, uh, the four part harmony out of the hymnal with a piano or an organ or both and sound like a very old school church. And so let's make it more modern, add some drums to it and all those things, like I said before, and add some flair to it and in addition tried to do some modern um you know contemporary worship songs as you were talking about and you know i think of artists like paul Balash, who i've mentioned on here before um and michael w smith and some others who don Mowen who literally bridge the gap and i always say that when i teach about this stuff when i talk about this stuff when i go to conferences i hear about this stuff it's they those guys pioneered and bridged the gap meaning they had one foot in the traditional realm, but they also had another foot in the contemporary realm and they can play contemporary music and they've led services over the last 20, 30 years in a contemporary space. However, they, um, they were the guys that were like really pushing for that kind of service. They were really pushing for that style of music. And so, um, in respect to to Mike and the church that I was working at the time, we, I don't know, we were running 150 to 200 people at the time. And we decided that we wanted, we had enough people who were young enough, who had young children that we wanted to kind of start this other alternative style of service. And so what happened was we, I don't know, we met at, you know, 10 AM was the first service and we did the 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 blended you know traditional service and then at 11:30 we did the the second service and the second service was more contemporary and so um you know we were playing more i don't know rock heavy you know distorted guitar versus you know very simplified piano music and i think really when i look back on it the only difference was the the songs we were playing the musicians tended to be the same the the the, the instrumentation of the mu- you know musicians was the same whether it was guitar yeah. electric guitar bass drums etc uh piano um but it was really just the style we literally just turned the lights off and we changed the music and the songs we were playing and this, and the sermon was exactly the same now um you know, fast forward. Uh, I went to to Town Boulevard Church after that, and did an internship while I was in seminary, and it was like, all right, we're doing, we're doing, you know, a, a blended service, more on the the side of contemporary, but we had drums and guitar, we had bass and all those things, but like on Wednesday night, that was back when there were still Wednesday night Bible study services, and we had Sunday night church. So, like Sunday morning was our big, you know, contemporary, if you will, push for for worship music. And so Sunday night we would do hymns, and then Wednesday night we'd do a couple prayer courses and a hymn. But the but the music would, you know, be contemporary on Sunday mornings because we'd have a full band. I think in that scene it was more, um, it was more of the instrumentation. Uh, versus you know versus anything else because on Sunday night, and Wednesday night, we had young adult ministry and youth ministry, and I led worship in other spaces at that church, and we had full bands in other spaces, and it wasn't part of the the package for Sunday night or or Wednesday night. And then I went to another church in in the community and and did did uh, some work there, and we we had two services, and I thought it was a really cool setup and a really cool concept because we had two services. We had a sanctuary service, and then we had what was called the annex service. The annex service was a contemporary service but it was in the gym mm-hmm. and so um i would sometimes play for both services and uh how that would work was they both services started at the same time however the pastor so like in the in the annex in the gym we would do one song we'd welcome people do one song and then the pastor would get up and preach meanwhile the sanctuary starts worship and they do worship all the way through and by the time pastor's done preaching in the annex he goes to the sanctuary and then he would preach in the sanctuary and then they would do worship at the end in the gym so i would literally on sunday morning scott get there run rehearsals but then when services started i played the one song in the gym i would go to the sanctuary play the worship set and then i would high-five the pastor in the hallway and go back to the the gym and play the worship stuff in the gym. And then I would go back to the sanctuary and play the final song in the, in the sanctuary. And like there were Sundays where I played in both and I'd have to go back and forth the whole time. Um, that was a cool setup. They had, they had a draw for both. Um, but again, I think it was just a matter of preference versus why are we doing this? Are we really growing? Are we growing enough to see both services be filled? Um, And then, you know, fast forward, you know, to, to later in the last, you know, three to five years of my ministry, one church I worked at, we had two services. And, uh, when I first started there, uh, they were two separate services. The message was the same, but the, the worship was different. And we called, uh, the dumbest names for these services, but the first one was called the vintage service, meaning it was Mm -hmm. blended and it had hymns, but it had more modern choruses in it. And then we had the current service, which was all contemporary. And then a year and a half went by and we're like, you know what? We're not doing this anymore because this service isn't really changing. Um, So we decided to do both the same. And then about a year later, de- we decided that this, this first service just isn't growing. So what we're going to do is we're just going to merge two services together. Yeah, Like you said, with the Talmud thing. Yeah. Like, it got it got to a point where it went back to being, you know, people don't know each other, and it's not growing. So, like, let's just put people back together in a space and and see what happens. Uh, another church I worked at, we had six services on Sunday. And so they, you know, the way they did that was we had, like, a super early 8, 830 service where it was basically, like, it was almost like a small group. But, like, there was 20, 30 people in there, but they wanted hymns. And so pastor would go in there and preach to them and we would sing a couple of hymns to them, whether it was on piano or guitar or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then we would do, um, two services that were identical in the main, on the main campus, two online services that were identical, um, basically streaming what we saw at the, the main campus. And then our satellite campus, um, the worship would would be different and the message would be different, but it would be the same series that the pastor is preaching. So um, certainly there's a number of ways to do it. And I've had different experiences in different arenas, but uh, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting concept Scott that you bring up because it's like, you know, back in the early two thousands to now, I don't think it's necessary to have multiple services unless you're running out of space. Mm -hmm. And a lot of churches did that. And I, and honestly I forgot about it because you know, for me in the last three to five years, it's been all about, okay, we don't have space. We're filling up our venue each time for nine 30, 11 or nine and 11. Or sometimes we did three services um, depending on space and time of year, whether it was Christmas or Easter or whatever, but like, um, it's kind of funny when you look back on it and it's like, well, I just wanted to do this because it was my preference and I didn't want to deal with the old people and all they want to do was sing hymns. So did yeah. you, I think you're, isn't your services now where you're at different.
0: So, yeah. So it's, it's interesting too, because just not only, so we have our sunburst service and we have our traditional service. So sunburst service is an earlier service that starts at nine thirty, and it's contemporary music. Then you get to the eleven o'clock. That's in the sanctuary, and that's the thing. We have our Maloney Center, which is where we usually have our um, meals and stuff. So it set, has a stage in there, and we have like these windows that out overlook um, into Columbus. So that's kind of um, a nice little draw. But you know, and 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 that service is even planned differently too. Like it's very casual. You know, we have. Couple songs, announcements. Couple songs. Um, then we have like a children's moment. Then the kids go up to their uh, kind of have their kids Sunday school during that time, and then um, you know they have time of prayer, uh, sermon, time of offering, and then um, kind of a benediction song, prayer benediction. Service is over. Um. And that's it. So, and that's pretty much the service. You go to the 11 o'clock, you have a prelude, which is this, like we, so a a liturgist goes up there and welcomes everybody. and says, okay, we're going to go begin our service. And the organist goes up there and plays this huge long prelude. And then the liturgist goes up there and does like a call to worship or a call and response kind of thing where... The leader reads something, the people respond, and you go back and forth, uh, sing a hymn. Then the liturgist reads an Old Testament passage. Then there's like a time of greeting. um, Children's moment, those kids go up to Sunday school during the 11 o'clock hour. And then um, there's a couple of other like, liturgy things that happen there's a reading of the new testament scripture then there's the sermon then there's the offering then there's the benediction and then this is the thing like when we had a combined service that threw so many of my students off who (laughs) who um are used to going to the nine o'clock because then at the end when the pastor says that's prayer does it's benediction prayer usually there's some music everybody gets up everybody leaves and the music kind of plays everybody out. Oh no! The organist then plays a postlude. The pastor gets up. The pastor leaves. Everybody still stays seated in there and does not leave until the postlude is done. And then they get up and they leave, which is funny because then the music's playing. And I think I think the first time I was the first time when I had to sit through that entire service, I remember the music started playing. I start to stand up. To walk and I got stand up and I walked out and I see like Pastor Colleen there and we're just talking and I'm like, how come no one else is leaving? What's going on? And then it was like, oh, and then that's when I found out that you're supposed to stay and tell the postlude is Is
1: that a Methodist thing?
0: I guess so. Or, or, or it's a thing in like very liturgical churches. Like, I don't know if you went to a Lutheran church that had like a more liturgical feel or...
1: Well, the Presbyterian church we've been going to over the last several months, is they, they're very lit- liturgy-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you walk in and they'll do a prelude going on. Uh, the piano player, or the worship leader, um, will play, you know, a prelude. And then they'll get up and they'll do like a call to worship. It's a reading. And then they'll do announcements. And then this blows my mind because as a worship leader, I'm always like, good morning church let's stand together and worship our god and we go into song one we don't really address what the song is or we don't put it in the bulletin or anything like that it's literally just here's 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 our worship time let's go into it and the words will be on the screen and you're gonna know what it is right so like um but they'll they'll do that that prelude and they'll do um the call to worship they'll do announcements and then the guy guy or gal who's like you know, chairing the service. That seems very old school to me because I remember that as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um but they'll be like our first song is This is Amazing Grace. Let's stand together. And then <laughs> it just seems so weird. And then they go into like song one and they'll do like a um the prayer of assur- assurance and the the blessing of pardon or something like that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um then they'll uh pass the peace of Christ and they'll do all these different things uh that seem very catholic but not and we always call it catholic light and we joke with them and say it's catholic light and they laugh but it's, it's, <laughs> but, but it's like you're up and you're down and you have like some of these prayers and you know have yeah. just different different parts where they always include them within the service and then they do um gosh a couple more worship songs then they'll do a pray they do a lot of prayers too which is it just seems so yeah. foreign to me and then they sing doxology every single week, Mm -hmm. every week. And I'm like, what, what? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's
0: in the, in the 11 o'clock service during the, during, I I don't know if they do it in the contemporary service or the summer service, but that traditional service, they'll go, they'll collect the offering. And then once the offering's done, the ushers will stand in the back. And then next thing you know, the organist will start playing the doxology and praise God from, and then, they walk up and they put the offering plates right there on the uh, Lord's table.
1: Yeah. And then they do like, the prayer. They do the prayer for the pastor and then they do the message. And then they have the guy, they had the same person who chairs the service, reads the scripture passage for the message. Yeah. And it's like, it's very rote and it's very, yeah. um, it's the same every single week, except for the music. The only thing that's different is the music songs, the songs that they're picking and then the sermon.
0: Yeah. So that's, yeah. And, yeah, so it, it's interesting, and I think that's kind of the interesting thing about multiple services, because you mentioned, like, holidays, how sometimes, like, like for Christmas this past year, working here at the UMC, like, they had three services for Christmas. The first service was, like, a family service, and that's when the kids got to do their, um, their like, Christmas play or Christmas uh, song, if we had the choir, if we had a kid's choir that year or the Christmas play, like all that was together. Um, And then that was the first service. And then you had more, and that was in the traditional service. Then you had more of your contemporary Christmas service in our Maloney Center. And that was packed to the brim. Like all three services were packed to the brim. Like we probably had over, probably about 1500 people in about all total and three services um then you added more and then at the later one which i think this would have been like the nine o'clock service like 9 p.m christmas eve service you had traditional but you also had a string quartet there and a choir and the organist and it was just like it was just amazing just to sit there and go okay here we are singing silent night and you're hearing the string quartet play silent night and everyone's singing it and candle lighting services it's just like dang like this is absolutely uh fantastic it's like one of those things where maybe I should have sat for both services because I was at the family service leading that and then Colleen's like oh you don't have to be at the middle service you can go ahead and take a break enjoy having a Christmas Eve meal with your family and then just come back for the late service like man I want to sit through all three because I've really enjoyed the first one I really enjoyed the the string quartet one I, maybe I should st- pop in for the uh contemporary one but yeah it was um it was it's different but I also think that you know kind of like with my example of Talmadge, how they went back I think the main thing with having multiple services is you know what why are you doing it ideally and if you're and if you're doing it because of space like the church I was attending um in my transition time over in fishersville virginia like it was a, it was an issue of space like they had three services and it was all about space and the only time they had one service or maybe they only had one or two services is when they rented out the expo center at the augusta county fairgrounds and they would fill that place up for either one or two services i can't remember now if they did have two services but even going there to the expo center it was like there wasn't even an empty seat in that room. It the place was packed, but for them, it's it's a spacing issue. Um, whereas, you know, for Talmadge, it wasn't a spacing issue; it was a preference. Mm-hmm. And that, and I think that's the crazy thing about you know churches when it comes to worship. And and I know we talked about worship and worship wars uh, in previous episodes, um, but it was that idea that there could be a split or we could start losing members over styles of worship. And I don't necessarily think it was necessarily the styles of worship, but I think it was the argument that we were, I think there's some people who would leave because, Oh, we're not singing hymns or we're not singing contemporary music. And I think there's other people who are like, I'm just tired of it's worship. Why are we fighting over worship? You know, (laughs) like, Like, as ridiculous as that sounds. Um, So yeah, I think that when it comes to having multiple services, I think it's just good wisdom on both the pastor part, and even on the um, leader church leadership, to think about, okay, is it necessary for us to have multiple services? And I think even it's very wise to think about, is there something we can do to make sure that we're still showing a sense of community? Mm -hmm. because even if you have like you know if you have 1500 people and you have three services because your church can only house like 500 people is there something you can do to really try to bring the entire church together if that means grabbing renting a big gigantic tent out in the summer and having like tent worship for a couple Sundays so that everybody can be a part of worship and you don't have to have um three services I think a that'd be good and b I think Maybe the password appreciated because they don't have to do three services, you know? Because <laughs> that's exhausting. Well, too, it's too. draining on
1: your staff. It really oh, is. Yeah.
0: I mean, the only the only issue is now you have like the okay, we have this big large facility now that we have to kind of do and make sure we have the volunteers and the people to greet people, to help with parking, to do all this stuff. But yeah, um that may be kind of a thing to look at. So You know, I don't necessarily think that multiple services are good or bad, per se. I think it has to do with the question of why are we doing it? And even if you have, and even if you're able to answer the why and everything is kosher and everything is good with the why, um, the next thing you probably want to ask yourself is, okay, is there a way that we can get everybody in our multiple services to gather at one place? Um, and I think that's kind of that's kind of a big thing, um because again, you know the church is a body, it's not a disjointed body, it's a unified body, so if you can get people from all different services to kind of come together, and then of course, you know, I think in this day and age, I think most churches now, even your small churches have multiple services if you want to count the online presence too because well,
1: most churches some churches do that, <clears throat> yeah, some churches do that excuse me, like they absolutely uh count for folks that are watching online as well mhm and yeah, there's absolutely. algorithms and things like that will that will keep uh keep a measurement of what you're doing um online and so you know uh i was always told that like if you if you um i don't know let's say you have 50 people online you multiply that times 3 cuz you got to think if that family's not coming to church and there's at least a minimum of 3 of them if they have a you know a child or so um it's you know, it could easily be 150 people watching online. Um, and if you have a, you know, streamed on Facebook and on YouTube and on your website and your church app and, and all these different places, it's just more uh, avenues for people to watch. And so, um, but I think you're exactly right, Scott. Like, excuse me, I have friends that work in in pretty large churches and it's it's definitely a space issue, right? Like they, they'll pack out these churches every Sunday because they, they are. They're truly packing them out, and it's not a preference of worship wars, quote worship wars per se, because it's like, wow, these services are identical. It's literally they're they're just offering a service at eight, a service at nine thirty, and a service at eleven on Sundays, or 9, 11, 12.30 or whatever their service schedule yeah. may be, and they're literally the same. Worship's the same. The videos are the same. The message is the same. It's literally the same thing every service is because they don't have the space or the capacity to hold folks. But also, I think, too, like, Scott, you made a great point. Like, if we're in these smaller settings where we, you know, are doing it because of preference, we're burning our volunteers out. We're burning our staff out. We're burning folks out, period, because of the expectation there. However, if you're in a church where, I don't know, you're a multi-site campus, you're running two to three services on Sunday, you have the bandwidth and the people to serve. Right. Like, you may serve for two or three services on a Sunday and go like all day and go really hard. But like, you may only be serving once every six months or every six weeks. Yeah. Right. Because you're, you're in a rotation and you don't, you're not expected to be the greeter every week. You're not expected to be the, the slide person every week. You're not expected to play in the worship team every single week. Like you have um flexibility there because you don't, there's, there's more people. <laughs> That's all the you know, you know, back to your point about having, you know, the folks actually there and it's not about preference. It's, it's, it's pretty incredible because, uh, you know, I have a friend uh, who works at Crossroads church in Cincinnati and he works at one of the campuses and it's like, they have, I don't know. He said like 150 to 200 volunteers just in the media area. Mm -hmm. Like that cover live streaming and cover slides and cover lighting and help with sound and help with, you know, stage prep and, you know, all the things that, you know, I was doing by myself a couple of years back <laughs> because I would get there on Sunday morning and turn the lights on mm-hmm. and turn the power, you know, the purpose presenter on, make sure the slides are good, make sure pastor's slides are in there, um, you know, turn the stage on, make, you know, all the batteries are fresh in the microphones, make sure pastor's mic is ready to go, make sure that everything was on and ready to go for pe- folks to, to just walk into that space on a Sunday morning and run a rehearsal. Um,
0: yeah.
1: But in bigger churches, people, you have people to do everything. People that run slides, people that run media, people that, uh, do stage, you know, and if you look at like Crossroads website, for example, I know I reference them a lot, but it's like, it's pretty amazing. But their, their, their website will post their jobs, right? Like, and these are full time ministry jobs, lighting designer, sound engineer, mm-hmm. uh, production lead, satellite campus worship leader campus pastor, like I'm just naming random positions, but they're all there because they're that big of a church that they can, they can do that. So yeah. Um, yeah. All I have to say it's, it's, it's pretty interesting to, to look back cause you and I've lived through that conversation um, of like the, the late nineties, early two thousands, the worship wars. Um, and, and to think back on how, how much stuff has changed and, how it was truly about preference how much how like what would you say the percentage is scott about uh folks that were doing it for prefer, or you know preference versus you know versus the churches that were actually growing and needed the space
0: in the 90s
1: well early 2000s like basically during the whole worship war thing that we're talking about
0: oh my gosh i would say it was probably i mean i think i'm going to guess high but i'm going to say it was probably 80 percent
1: in favor of preference uh, in versus... In favor
0: of preference versus space. Yeah. Because you agree. really didn't see... Because you really didn't see a big boom in like your larger, bigger churches until really, really would have been mid-2000s. Like if I think about kind of the height... Because... And the reason why I say that because I feel like... And this is... And maybe maybe I'm getting off topic here. But I feel like after... September 11th, 2001 happened and you start having more people kind of flocking to the church because they needed to find answers and reasons and kind of make understanding of what the heck just happened. So even people who were non-religious or maybe didn't take their faith seriously, begin to take their faith seriously after that event. And I think the churches that were able to meet those needs and really to answer questions and care for those people who were kind of shook up. That kind of led to a boom in growth in churches. And I think, like, I mean, I can think of some churches that, you know, for the most part, they're relatively mid-sized churches, and then they became larger churches due to the fact that the mid-2000s was kind of booming. And even when you got the, I mean, I can even think of a buddy who did a church plant within the Church of God, did a church plant in Dayton and was having good traction was having good traction with this church plant in the mid-2000s, was starting to build, starting to boom. A lot of people were coming together. This church was growing very rapidly. And then once the 2008 recession hit, everything just kind of went whoop. Because it was still kind of building up, and it wasn't a, it wasn't like a church where it's like a mid-sized established church, and then it started growing in the mid-2000s. This was, we started from nothing, started growing, 2008 recession hit, and no one wanted to give money, and then it, everything just kind of like fizzled out. Um, so I think in that aspect, um, yeah, I think that early, um, early 2000s, 90s, kind of mid nineties, early two thousands, it definitely was probably more about preference than it was about space after 2000, after the mid two thousands, it definitely kind of shifted to an issue of space.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think too, like another, you could say, um, um, you could take it a step further like the with the pandemic conversation because a lot of churches tried different things whether it was online learning not online learning mm-hmm. but like online um, ministry online learning too I guess if you want to talk about small groups <laughs> excuse me um, and the way that they did things once kind of uh, we were kind of gauging what we could do and couldn't do and I think mm-hmm. you know I one of the churches I worked at we went from nobody in the room to people in the room but like you only could sit with the people that you lived with and you had to wear masks and um you know we could only you remember when the states i don't know what virginia did because you were in virginia when that happened but like uh, like ohio for example said you could only have so many people in a room yeah and um you know one church i you know uh know of during that period they went from only having one services to multiple again, because they wanted to have more people come to church. But again, when COVID started to, 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 you know, stop, you know, being such uh, an intrusive part of our lives, they stayed that way. And they were still doing multiple services, even though they were a Mm. smaller congregation, it just didn't make much sense to me. So, but like, that's a whole nother conversation. Like what would it look like with, with restrictions in place, what people could do versus not do. And, um, yeah. I, I don't think that there's a right way or a wrong way to do it. I just think that they're um, in respect to, to services and stuff, the worship and stuff. But like, I think you have to know your audience too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I think that, I think we kind of covered um, all the aspects of multi multiple services from kind of how they're designed to, the purpose of why we have multiple services and kind of some things to look forward to. If you're, and, you know, maybe you're a smaller church that happened to, you're starting to grow and you're kind of thinking in that direction. You know, I think it's important for you to really have a good vision plan and really to think about, okay, you know, what's the purpose? And, but I think the main thing is, is, you know, as you're planning to split off into a multiple service, also remember the the fundamental concept of, of christianity is that you know it's about being together it's about being connected as one larger universal body of christ so with that being said you know if you do split off into two services, what are some ways that we can bring together And that was kind of um why we're doing at the church i'm at now why we're kind of doing this big stewardship thing but we're having combined services because one of the things was trying to get people to Know one another, the eleven o'clock people don't know who's at the nine o'clock. the nine o'clock people don't know who's at the eleven o'clock services, so this is a good time to get everyone together to have worship for these next three Sundays and really build up those relationships and get to know people and I think that's um that's wonderful and that's great so but friends, that's going to be it for us today. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and again, if you've appreciated this episode, feel free to give us a comment uh send us mail. Uh, five-star reviews, whatever you're supposed to do with this podcast thing. I Sometimes I feel like I don't like doing that whole spiel, but there it is. All right, friends, have a great day, and I'll talk to you later.